This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. Hey guys, we're back. Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. I am Faraz. I am here with Zach. This episode is going to be, you know, we got we got a lot of, we're packing a lot of heat in this one, Zach. All right. We're packing a lot of heat because we are going down the list of every single player in fantasy football, in fantasy drafts right now. We're going to be telling you who we think the best upside shots are in fantasy football drafts. If you didn't listen to this past uh, episode that we did earlier this week, we went over the top values. Obviously, you know, there are a ton of values. We talked about our favorite ones uh, in that episode. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the our best uh the best upside shots in drafts and what we mean by that is you know a lot of these guys don't necessarily have a safe floor but depending on how you choose to compose your roster depending on you know who you miss out on early in drafts you might want to chase some upside right and i think the the best rosters in fantasy are the ones that have a little bit of both right a little bit of consistency uh, with safe floors, a little bit of upside because the upside guys are the ones who are going to be winning you weeks, right? Obviously, right. guys like Justin Jefferson and the guys you pick in the top round have those ceilings and they're going to win you weeks. But it's about identifying a few of these other guys in later rounds um, that can help you with those weak winning weeks uh, without, you know, and, you know, sometimes they 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 bust also. It could happen, but yep. embrace the volatility. All right. That's the theme of this episode. And we'll be going through a bunch of these guys uh, today. Okay. So before I do that, if you guys can go ahead and hit subscribe on your podcast app, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen, if you can hit subscribe, it's free. It takes two seconds. That would mean the world to us. We'd appreciate that. Um, I do want to start with a running back that I am not uh, super high on. And I want to start with Brees Hall. Right. Going off the board as the RB11 in the third round. I think his upside is, is apparent, right? We know what, what he is, right? He has overall RB1 upside, yeah. right? But depending on a running back to get to RB1 levels the year after an ACL injury is a tough one for me, man. And, you know, we typically see a dip in efficiency from these players in year one. Um, and, you know, in turn, in fantasy points as well, right? Uh, but you have yeah. to got you know, like Brees Hall, you know, who's extremely athletic, uh, extremely young. He's the type of player to buck 
the trend a bit, right? And it's possible that he does. And if he does, I think he does have overall RB1 upside. But for running back to have that type of upside in year one after an ACL, I'm not sure if the chances are so high, right? But, you know, that being said, you know, Brees Hall is a type of player who had such an amazing year one before he got hurt, extremely efficient in the work that he did get before he got hurt. He will be, he would have been a clear top five running back going into this season, maybe even top two yeah. fantasy running back going into the season, depending on how he finished this past year. Uh, if he didn't get hurt, he was on the trajectory of maybe even finishing as the overall RB1. You never know what kind of yeah. season he could have had last year, um, you know, even though that offense was a shit show. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, you talk about Brees, the traje- trajectory that he was on. If he didn't get injured, he finished out last season. I I would put him over Austin Eckler. If, if you ask me, that would be me. I mean, he, I think he would slide in that RB2-3 role, you know, like – I don't think I'm going to put anybody over Christian McCaffrey until he's not Christian McCaffrey because we just know that's who he is. And Brees Hall, you know, I'm not sure he has a receiving upside, even if he were healthy this season, you know, to match what Christian McCaffrey offers. But in terms of, you know, his youth, his athleticism, you're right. I think that if anybody's going to fuck this trend, it, it would be Brees Hall. You know, I don't think he's a bad bet if you had to pick somebody to do it. You know, obviously Adrian, Adrian Peterson did it. Jamal Charles did it. They were older in their careers. They were into their careers a little bit more um, when they did that, when they bucked the trend, um, than Brees Hall is right now. So I think that he has youth on his side 100%. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if anybody's going to do it, it's him. And the upside, like you said, is obvious. He was ridiculously efficient. And you were on him from day one before he even started putting up points. You just saw the usage go up. You're like, Brees Hall, Brees Hall. You were pounding the table on him. I remember that. So I, I think, yes, the upside is obvious right here. I mean, you mentioned the receiving upside. He was number two in yards per route run among running backs last year. Um, you know, he he is that. He has the ability to catch the ball. He has the ability to be efficient. You know, yards after contact per 10, missed tackles for us. Like, he was doing his thing, man. And, um, you know, going into the season, it really sucks that, you know, he had to tear his ACL. We won't be able to see his full potential this year. But the point is that he does have the upside to, you know, kind of – you know, really break his ADP uh, in the third round. Um, you know, some would consider that a value, but I consider it more an upside shot because of the fact that, you know, he might not even live up to the RB11 off the board because of the fact that it is year one, uh, you know, after the injury. And it's possible that the Jets choose to, you know, at this point, Brees Hall is an asset to them, right? And do they really want to wear him out in year one? The, you know, they drafted Izzy. You know, they have a couple other backs that they could kind of use a little bit, similar to what Javante Williams had to go through early in his career. We could see something like that, where we know the running back is really, really good, but the usage is annoying. And I can see that happening with Brees Hall this year. Yeah, that could absolutely be the case. All right. I want to hear who you got first as your upside shot. I think the guy that I'm going to mention right here is the first player on the board that you think, all right, this guy's an upside play for sure. Like there's sure bets. Like you said, Justin Jefferson, obviously is not an upside play. Any of those guys at the top, CD lamb, AJ Brown, the running backs, B John Robinson, you know, they're all like solid picks. You can't really go wrong. The first one I think could potentially have a low floor, but has a really high ceiling is Jalen Waddle. You know, he's going in the second round, the wide receiver, wide receiver 11 off the board. I've never seen a game log from a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. Quite like what Jalen Waddle posted last year in 2022. He had five weekly top 10 finishes, 
where he averaged 27.1 PPR points per game, which is just absolutely ridiculous. But he also had five games where he posted point totals in the single digits. And in those games, he averaged 5.3 PPR points per game. So that is ridiculous volatility. He finished as a weekly wide receiver two, meaning between the position of wide receiver 13 and 24, just twice last year. So what does that mean? It means that Waddle's either going to be winning you your week or losing it. That is volatility. So he has ridiculous upside, like I mentioned, 27.1 PPR points per game in those top five finishes that he had. But he could really be stuck down low, you know, in those weeks where he just doesn't do his thing because he's playing against he's playing with Tyreek Hill. He's competing with Tyreek Hill for targets. There's very little in between on a weekly basis for him. And that's just the way it is. You know, when you're on offense, that's built around speed, speed and speed. Um, the good news is that Tua is healthy. That's especially encouraging considering that Waddle's five best games, those 27.1 PPR points a game, all came with Tua under center. And he was a top 10 receiver in five games out of 12 where Tua was healthy, and he was top seven in four of those. That kind of upside can't be ignored, especially considering the nature of the Dolphins' offense. Tua was second in dot last year, and he's going to continue to throw it deep, as he should. So the upside is crazy. I don't particularly like his price on underdog right now. I think the second round a little bit high for that volatility that he has, but the upside, I completely understand chasing that because he's going to win you your week, you know, five or six times this season, assuming Tua stays healthy. So I think the upside is undeniable with Jalen Waddle. I'm not a huge fan of the price, but he can have, you know, those massive 40 point explosions, you know, more often than most other receivers in the league. Yeah. And it really comes down to scheme also, you know, Mike, Mike, Mike McDaniel just schemes him up so well. Um, yeah. But the target target numbers just aren't there for him, right? Like, you look at a 19-target game, a 10-target game, a 10-target game. He, did, well, he only did that three times, double-digit targets. And then other games, five, six. First five weeks of the season, five targets, six targets, five targets, four targets. You know, obviously the 19-target game is there as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's not something that you, you, you love to see. He kind of, like, overperformed on the number of targets that he had. And if Tyreek Hill is going to be there, he's the real alpha who's going to be getting those targets so i'm with you man like at that price where he's going right now i don't love it um the upside is there for sure but it's possible that if he gets similar volume to what he got last year we don't see the same type of upside that we saw this year because he almost hit 1400 yards you know on, on a lot of volatility so yeah he's definitely one of the most volatile players i would say um does he have more upside than he does than he finished as last year i don't think so um but we'll see you know, if two is healthy all year, maybe maybe we see a little bit more consistency in his his target volume uh, going yeah. on going into this year. He's a very good player, schemed up really well. Um, hopefully, two, two can stay healthy and he can continue to do his thing. But uh, not one of my targets this year, personally, where he's going. No, not mine either. Where he's going? I mean, if he were going like a round later, I think he would be like, yeah, I think he would be somebody I'm targeting. But right now, you know, we're talking about upside. He has the upside. I will concede that, but he's just not on my board right now. Christian Watson's going off the board as the wide receiver 20 uh, in the third round on underdog. Now, Christian Watson is nowhere near the type of prospect that Chris Olave was and Garrett Wilson was. And going into this year, it's, you know, very likely that Olave and Garrett Wilson, you know, both have that superstar alpha wide receiver potential, right, in the NFL. I don't think Christian Watson is on that level. Um, but I do think that we have to pay attention um, you know, to, to what he did, right? Um, and we have to pay attention, too, to what he does well and the type of season that he had last year when he got healthy. Um, you know, we don't know what Jordan Love is yet. 
But we right. do know that Aaron Rodgers didn't necessarily play his best football last year. He actually wasn't efficient throwing the ball deep last year. And despite that, Christian Watson went on to put up wide receiver one numbers once he got back from his injury. And 2.26 yards per route run last year, that was only behind Chris Olave, okay, in terms of rookies. You know, that's something we have to pay attention to because we talked about this before. It's a huge indicator of future success at the position. You know, will he have a touchdown regression? Yes. He's going to have a touchdown regression, right? He can't sustain the touchdown rate that he had last year, but the target share during that span was there, right? Earning targets is a skill, right? And at the very least, we know that the big playability is definitely there Um, all over the field, right? Deep, intermediate, after the catch, red zone especially, right? Um, By the way, I'm not buying that Romeo Dubs hype. That, that's, yeah, that's I just saw you saw that right post now. yesterday. This is, this is a lot of Romeo Dubs hype going on after OTAs and minicamp. I'm not buying it personally. I, I, I just don't think he's that good of a receiver. After what Watson did last year, I think he profiles as the alpha on this team as it stands right now. Right. Um, so I think if I miss out on some of the high-end wide receivers early on, Christian Watson is the upside pick for me in the fourth round that I would consider, you know, to give my ch- to 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 give myself a chance at at a high-end wide receiver too, right? Uh, but also yeah. understanding that his floor is likely in the you know volatile wide receiver three range. And you know he's being drafted kind of in the middle of that range of outcomes right now as the wide receiver 20. Yeah, he's like your Walmart Jalen Waddle, I think. I mean, obviously he's not competing with Tyreek Hill, but that's what it looks like. I mean, remember that stretch of games from weeks 10 to 13 when he really got going? You know, he went off on that streak where he had eight touchdowns in those games. He did eight touchdowns on just 15 receptions in those four games. So across those four games, he had eight touchdowns. He had four wide receiver one finishes, weekly wide receiver one finishes from weeks 10 to 13 off of 15 receptions total across those weeks. That is just ridiculous. So that tells you the upside is definitely there, 100%. Now, there's another guy I'm looking at, another receiver, and I actually just posted a thread. You know, on threads, either that brand new app that everybody's on. Yeah, I posted a thread on it today. It was pretty crazy. But follow me on threads, Upper Hand Zach. Um, I said that when I look at Calvin Ridley's price, Calvin Ridley's my guy, at wide receiver 16 in the third round, like it feels pretty damn high. You think about it, it's like he's been out of football. You know, to be going in the third round, there's a lot of, you know, inflation there a little bit, a lot of projecting there, assuming that he's going to get to where we want him to be, where he's worth that third round price. But I'm perfectly okay paying that for a receiver who, for me, I think has top five overall upside at the wide receiver position. In his last 33 games played, dating all the way back to the 2019 season, because he's missed a lot of games in between them, whether it's for injury or the suspension. 33 games played. He has 21 games in which he garnered at least eight targets. He had less than six targets in a game just four times in that 33 game span. So we know he's going to demand targets regardless of who he's competing with because he did so even running alongside Julio Jones in 2019, 2020, you know, pre-washed Julio Jones games. He did that with Julio Jones running alongside him. Now he's on an offense with a quarterback who I would argue figures to be better than Matt Ryan was in those years. That was kind of like the twilight of his career. And he has a teammate in Christian Kirk who he's going to demand targets, but not like Julio Jones did back when he was balling out. So Ridley has a history of producing in more difficult circumstances in his career. And now he's a clear wide receiver one on a good Jaguars offense. And all the reports out of OTAs and camp have been Calvin Ridley looks great. 
Jamal Agnew said, I don't think anybody can cover him. You know, it, it looks really good. There's no doubt in my mind that Ridley can reclaim his status as a top flight fantasy wide receiver one. And he's probably my favorite upside pick right now in drafts. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's no doubt about it, man. He's being drafted, I think, a little bit high where his floor is, similar to Christian Watson, where, you know, he's definitely being drafted higher than his floor. Um, yeah. And I would say that he's he still has a little bit of room for upside, right? He can be a low-end wide receiver one. That is in his range of possibilities. Um, he's just it's a little tough because he, we haven't seen him play football in a while, right? So yep. this is a, a, a pick where you're just like you have some faith in this offense. You have faith in Doug Peterson. You have faith in Trevor Lawrence taking a step forward. Um, you have faith in Christian Kirk taking away some coverage. So I do like that aspect of it. Um, so there are reasons to like this offense. We've seen multiple wide receivers be fantasy relevant on this offense last year. And, you know, it really comes down to who Calvin really is right now. That's really all it comes yep. down to. Because if he's the same guy, he's going to earn those targets. And you're going to see 140 target season this year. We talked a lot about Jim Gibbs. I've been doing a lot of research on Jameer Gibbs lately. Um, and that's why I've been talking about him so much. And, you know, he's going off the board as the RB14 right now. Fourth round on underdog. Probably third round uh, in your home leagues. I think the price tag is appropriate right now. Um, PPR leagues especially. Half PPR leagues as well. There's a legit chance he sees 80 catches this year. DeAndre yeah. Swift was on pace for 80 catches in 2021. And last year, with the change at offensive coordinator to Ben Johnson, DeAndre Swift was actually targeted at a higher rate per route run than when he was on pace for 80 catches in 2021. So now that the Lions actually have a version of DeAndre Swift that they like, a running back who's a, extremely explosive, ridiculous speed, one of the best pass-catching prospects to come out over the last 10 years, up there with Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, who, by the way, both finished as RB1s in PPR fantasy points per game in their rookie years without a goal line role, with another early down back complementing them, just like Gibbs, who has Montgomery, there's a good chance Gibbs finishes as an RB1, and he's being drafted outside the top 12 right now. So Alvin Kamara finished as the RB4 in fantasy points per game when he was a rookie, and he only yeah. had like 120 carries that first year. But what did he do? He, he had 80 catches, right? So yeah. that's really what it comes down to uh, for Jameer Gibbs. He's already in a role that's carved out for him. So this makes this makes the projection a little bit easier for me. Um, so I think Ben Johnson's going to be able to scheme him up really well. And, you know, things, you know, whatever we, we're hearing out of OTAs, it's sounding good. And it's sounding like kind of just like we thought it would sound. And the fact that he went off the board as a top 12, uh, you know, player in the draft, not top, top 12 running back, top 12 player in the NFL draft. Right. Says a lot. Right. Over the last 10 years. You know, five the five running backs who were taken as a top 12 pick, they all finished as an RB1 in their rookie year. So Jameer Gibbs has a good shot doing it too. Yeah. If you want to play the odds, I absolutely. You know, and I love Jameer Gibbs just because of that receiving upside. We know that the receiving work is what gives, you know, it gives the running backs the cheat codes in fantasy football. That's what makes them cheat codes. So I, I'm absolutely with you on that. How much of, you know, projecting this upside for Jameer Gibbs comes down to him being drafted top 12 overall, like you said. Like, I know the numbers all history indicates that if you're drafted inside the top 12 as a running back, I mean, you got a pretty good chance of producing 
an RB1 season. Do you think that is, you know, how much does that weigh into your analysis there? 20%, I would say. 20%. I think it's less, like, I, I first I look at your skills, right? Yep. And then I look at what kind of role you can fit into on the offense. Um, and then the draft capital is kind of like a cherry on top. That's right. you know weighed a little bit more than a cherry on top, right? Cherry on top assumes that it's like a five percent thing. I think it's, it's like not. the whipped it's cream. More, it's more like it's the whipped cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the whipped cream and the cherry. You know what I mean? Yeah. On top, I, I would say I the think... whipped cream is whipped cream is first round, and then top twelve is cherry on top. How's that? Yeah, that that, that sounds good. I mean, I, I think for me the cherry on top. I don't know if you saw the the video when they drafted Jameer Gibbs. Clearly, they knew they had a role that needed to be filled, and they picked him. Yeah. It seemed like they were ecstatic. You know about taking I mean, him it's there. It's all lining up, man. Like they dropped yeah. him. They already had DeAndre Swift. We're like, what is what? How is this going to work? And literally the next day, DeAndre Swift gets traded. So it's like, hello. Yeah, they're they, just they knew what they wanted for us. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. I think it's one of the easier picks. You know, obviously Jameer Gibbs. We're both fans of Jameer Gibbs. You know, even with Dave Montgomery there, you're even a fan of David Montgomery. You know, even with Jameer Gibbs there, because they both play different roles, and that's the beauty yeah. of it. This is going to be a good offense. They have a very good offensive line. So I'm really confident, you know, in Jameer Gibbs, too. So if I, I miss out on Gibbs, out. I'm fine getting taking Montgomery, too. Right? Like, exactly. I'm, I'm not, I won't yeah. take both. But if I miss out on Gibbs, because a lot of people are going to be high on Gibbs, people can reach on him, whatever. Okay, cool. I, I'm, I, I, that sucks. But I'm going <laughs> to, I'll try to shoot for Montgomery, you know, with that goal line role and early down role that he's going to have. Exactly. That makes total sense. Now, there's another guy that has been talked up. This offseason, even the last offseason, about having that goal line role, having a key be a key part of the offense. And that guy is Cam Akers. Now I know we've been here before. You know, he's the RB22 right now in the sixth round. We've fallen for the Cam Akers upside promise plenty of times before. But what we didn't have going into those seasons when he burned us was any sort of evidence proving that he could capitalize on his situation and actually come through on those promises. We got that evidence. In at the end of 2022. Albeit in a small amount, we got it. He squeaked in an overall RB1 weekly finish in week 16. And from week 13 on, he was third in the NFL in rush attempts, first in rushing yards, and tied for first with Austin Eckler in rushing touchdowns in that span. That was an absolutely horrific offense that he was playing on at that time last season. It was devoid of Cooper Cup. There was no Matthew Stafford. They're both back for this season in 2023. It should definitely be better, even with the bad offensive line. It should definitely be a better offense with those two back in the fold. The offseason hype parallels what we're hearing about Akers last year at this time, but it feels much more warranted now that Akers has something concrete to build upon heading into this season. Last time, it was just speculation. You know, it's just like he's going to be a bigger part of this offense because there's not really anybody else in the backfield. Um, and before anyone asks about Sony Michelle, I'm not really concerned. You know, he might vulture a touchdown here or there at the goal line, but Akers is going to be just fine, even if Michelle grabs four or five touchdowns on the year, and that's a high projection. I don't think they're going to be using him that much. In the sixth round, is the floor low for Akers? Yeah, maybe. But if Akers can establish a stranglehold on the lead role and produce like he did at the end of last season when he had an absolute monopoly on goal line carries, he had 18, not a single other running back had, had a single one. I think he could sneak into the top 12, you know, be a low end RB one. And that's a high projection, but I think it's there if the offense is better than it was last season. And I think it can be. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yeah, you know, it's funny, man. Like, there's no other running back there that that's, makes me yeah. pause on Cam Akers. You know, and that's really what it comes down to for me. Now, I, I wish that he'll be a little bit more involved in the passing game. And I think he will, you know, because of the fact that if he does end up playing like 75% of snaps, like he's going to be more involved, right? Like it's not like, yeah. you know, it's, I don't think last year is a great indication of what's going to happen there. I mean, it's mostly Baker Mayfield. You know, Stafford didn't get a whole lot of chances to play with Cam Akers in that full-time role that Akers got at the end of the year. So right. I can see things changing a little bit for him. And the fact that he's going to be, you know, a couple years removed from that Achilles injury can mean that he'll be more involved in the pass game. So right. I can see it, man. There's a whole range of possibilities that Akers can go through this year. Um, but I do think what, where he's going right now, he's definitely an upside guy uh, to target if that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, now, I do want to talk. So, so there's so many guys, dude. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to, like, go on a rant on every single guy. But I will mention a few guys, like, randomly. Um, for a little uh, background context here, Faraz sent me a list of his players that he was thinking about talking about before the podcast. And it was probably 20 or 24 players long. It was ridiculous. I mean, it went we stand. It's been from like round four down to round 13. It was hilarious. I, we're definitely going to have that list available to Patreon subscribers. Um, Patreon.com slash upper hand fantasy. The draft gets almost ready. Um, all yeah. these guys, breakout guys and a high upside picks, even though the guys, even more than the guys that we talked about in this episode, last episode, we talked about the best values. Those are going to be highlighted as well in the draft kit. All that's going to be there. Okay. Uh, a lot more than the guys that we talked about in last episode as well. But I do want to hit on Brandon Ayuk. Um, who's going off the board as a wide receiver 28. Okay. If there was going to be a breakout wide receiver this year, I think Brandon Cook is probably the guy that I would pick. And I'm not talking 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns. I'm talking like 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns. Like, I think it can happen with Brandon Ayuk. And I think he's a value number one. And I think I'm going to say it, man. I think he has wide receiver one upside at some point in his career. Now, yeah, His offense has so many skilled players, right? And my hope is that he finally gets utilized the way that, you know, any other team in the league would utilize him, to be honest with you. And that's giving him 140-plus targets. He was on yeah. pace for a 1,000-yard season in 2020 as a rookie. He missed a few games there, right? He didn't play the entire year. Um, he was in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse in 2021. And in the games that he finally got that full-time rollback and full snap share, he was on pace for 1,100 yards. And then he had a 78-catch, 1,000-yard season last year, despite the quarterback carousel that they had going on, right? 
So it looks like Brock Purdy is going to be the guy. Um, all signs are pointing to him starting week one. Uh, there was no one that Brock Purdy targeted more than Brandon Ayuk last year. 24% target share from Purdy. Um, you know, Ayuk's being drafted outside the wide receiver two range, dude. And I just don't really see a world where his floor is lower than that wide receiver 24 spot. And I do think right. he has wide receiver one upside if Shanahan treats him like that true X alpha wide receiver that he's fed in past offenses, right? And, you know, but as I say that, you know, I realize that you do have to get the ball to CMC and Debo and Kittle. So there's like a limiting factor here, right? And I understand mm -hmm. that. But there is a world where IU gets 140 targets because he's that good of a wide receiver, that good of a separator. Uh, and if that happens, we're talking like, you know, high and wide receiver two territory, yeah. right? Uh, and by the way, I love taking the higher on Ayuk's 780 receiving yard line on Underdog Fantasy. Like, I would highly recommend checking out Underdog. There are a ton of NFL season pickums you can choose higher or lower on. You can combine a few, and you can multiply your money. And you can also do best ball drafts. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know that we've been doing a lot of those, um, you know, that, that you guys have been joining me for. So, uh, best ball drafts, you know, pickums. There's a lot of ways to win some money on there. You know, we love drafting, so might as well do some drafts now, and then also practice for your home leagues too. That's a good way to understand where guys are going right now, um, and where we're getting these ADPs from. Right? Um, use code code upper hand because uh, when you do, you'll get your first deposit doubled up to one hundred dollars. Okay, so make sure you use code upper hand there. Yeah. H how you feeling about Ayuk, man? Do you think he that he has that type of upside? I think he absolutely has a type of upside. I don't I don't know about wide receiver one just because of all the competition there, but I think people do still overestimate what that competition is going to be. You know, like they, they get too caught up in there. They're like, well, George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, you know, so Christian McCaffrey, he's going to get his looks regardless, but that's going to come mainly on plays. There might be a couple plays, you know, in a game where they scheme it up to go to Christian McCaffrey. Say that's four or five plays a game, you know, where they're just designed to go to Christian McCaffrey. And then like two or three other dropbacks, you know, they'll have to check it down to CMC. He's a valve guy. He just drops it off. Safety valve, good. Good for him. There's plenty of other targets to go around. George Kittle was getting a lot of targets with Brock Purdy. We'll see if that continues. You know, I'm not worried about that not happening. I think Kittle's in a good spot in terms of fantasy. But I think if anyone's going to be an odd man out, it's going to be Debo Samuel, you know, in yeah. terms of just his passing game work. I'm not worried about Brandon Ayuk. So we've seen we've seen him do that. He has very high target shares, especially for the offense that he's on. You know, you can blame the competition for targets, but then you look at Brandon Ayuk's target share and think, okay, he's doing that even with that competition. That tells you a lot. Like like you said, if Brandon Ayuk was on another offense, he'd be used probably in a way that's going to get him to finish as a wide receiver one. Yeah. So the talent is there. You know, I think that the upside is definitely. I think it's stuck in the high wide receiver two range, but. That's not a bad thing. You know, he's going to have plenty of wide receiver one finishes on the year if the 49ers offense just continues to play like it's been. I think continuity with Brock Purdy, too, where it's not a quarterback carousel like it was last year, will also do Brandon Ayuk good, good things for Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Who, who's the next guy that you have as one of your favorite upside plays? So this is another one that people might get up in arms about, and I've talked about this guy a little bit on the podcast, uh, but it's Jordan Addison. And he's a wide, wide receiver 37 right now, going at the 6-7 turn. It's obviously going to be interesting to see if Addison can compete for targets in the same offense as the best fantasy receiver in the league right now and a top-five fantasy tight end. 
But I think it's definitely possible. I mean, he should step right into the spot vacated by Adam Thielen, which featured plenty of touchdown over the over the years, 30 touchdowns over the past three years, so about 10 touchdowns a season. Obviously, Thielen's a good receiver, too. He's very quarterback-friendly. Cousins is a consistent fantasy quarterback. He distributes the ball well, and he throws at a high volume in Kevin O'Connell's system. We saw that last season, 643 pass attempts, ranked fourth in the NFL. Addison, for me, right now, is more talented than Thielen was last year and he might not be a wide receiver one alongside justin jefferson because of tj hawkinson's presence in the offense but he can be a wide receiver two very easily potentially top 20 maybe even top 15 depending on how the cards fall he's being drafted as a high wide receiver four right now and that's an inexpensive price relative to the upside that he can have you know if you look at he's he's like a, a value and a high upside play jordan addison's very talented i think he landed in a great spot he can do really well opposite Justin Jefferson. They can work off of each other, feed off of each other. We're all about targeting good players and good offenses. I'm confident that Addison's upside is way higher than even guys going ahead of him. I mean, there's Mike Evans. There's Michael Pittman. There's even Marquise Brown going ahead of him. Like, if I'm going to shoot for upside, especially in that range, I mean, I'm not taking any of those guys. You know, you can look at them like they're the producers of the past couple seasons, but they're all in worse situations. Sure, they might have the volume, but if you want to talk about upside, and a good offense, super talented, and there's going to be less attention on him because he's playing with Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. You can give and take with that argument. I think that Jordan Addison has very good upside, especially at his price. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was the overall you know, rookie wide receiver one this season. I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, and if I had to bet on any wide receiver to be the rookie wide receiver one this year, it would probably be Addison. So I do like that. My only concern with him is, you know, where does TJ Hawkinson fall in the pecking order? Is he number two or number three? Right. And I think that it really all comes down to that because I think he has a talent. Now, you know, we've seen what an alpha wide receiver one can do for a solid complementary wide receiver before. And that right. he, he could, the you know, we could potentially see Jordan Addison open a ton this year, right? So the upside yeah. for him to have like a, a juju type of year next to AB, right? Like things that like that can happen. I was going to go for it, yeah. You know, that can happen. So that upside is there. So I do like that call. Um, J.K. Dobbins is somebody that, you know, he's going off the board of the RB18. Can he finish higher than that? Can he be a low-end wide running back one, high wide running back two? I think he can. Um, JSN, Jackson Smith and the Jigba, I think he has the upside. He's going off, off the board as a wide receiver 33. I think he has the upside to be the best Seahawks wide receiver uh you know in the back half of this year it, it is possible he has that type of upside especially if the Seahawks move to primarily 11 personnel we'll see if that happens we don't know that if that happens or not but we saw what he did out of the slot with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave um you know on the outside at the same time and he outperformed both of those guys and if you were Playing fantasy in college football that year, he would have out. He would have killed those two guys uh, in terms of fantasy points. Okay, Miles Sanders. You know, I think I'm not targeting him, but I do think that there are some. There is a, a world where he finishes as a low end RB one, high end RB two because of the fact that he gets more involved in the receiving game. I don't think he's a good receiver, so I don't think that ends up happening. But there's been a lot of talk about him being an every down back for them. There's a lot of talk yeah. about them. We've seen the video of the coaches talking about him potentially being more involved in the receiving game and him wanting to do that. So 
if that turns into a reality, despite him not being as good in that department, that can happen. Do I think that there's a high a high chance of that happening? I do not. I do not. Um, before before I start, you know, going on uh, going off on these guys, just real quick thoughts on Traylon Burks, uh, Zach. Like wide receiver thirty six right now, you know, off the board. Um, you know, he's the only guy in Tennessee. There is a world where he finishes as a wide receiver too, isn't there? Yeah, and that's based solely off of volume, one hundred percent. I mean, I wouldn't call him the only guy in Tennessee because I'm a Chigga Conquo guy myself. I mean, you know, obviously he has to establish himself, get that target share. He didn't really have that last season, but you would talk about like the only receiver, wide receiver. Yeah, Traylon Burks is that guy. He's I, going to fall into like 120 targets just because yeah. they have to throw to somebody. Like exactly, how can you go wrong with that volume? And that's really what it comes down to, right? And, like, if he's going to get 120 targets, he's going to finish way past, like, way ahead of this wide receiver 36 mark, most likely. Um, right. So we, we 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 could see that happen. I think there's a lot of things that he can work on uh, that he needs to work on still. He's not a complete receiver yet. Um, but this it is very possible that the target volume goes his way in a huge, in a huge way. Um, I want to talk yeah. about Kyle Pitts, man. Kyle Pitts. Oh, Kyle. Uh, oh man, what what a topic! What a topic! Yes. Uh, tight end five going off the board right now in the sixth round. There are a lot of Kyle Pitts haters out there, and you guys, I just want to say, are so impatient. Like you guys are done with Kyle Pitts, and right. why? Like I just want to know why, because he didn't come through for you last year, because he only had one touchdown in his rookie season. First of all, tight ends don't come on until a little later in their careers. Typically, it's a couple of years into the league before they really come on. One of the reasons why Kyle Pitts had so much hype around him is because he was probably the best tight end prospect of all time coming into the NFL. And what did he do? He had the most receiving yards of any rookie tight end ever since Mike Ditka in 1961. Two yards per route run as a rookie. That was top three that year among all tight ends ahead of Travis Kelsey. And he did that with Arthur Smith as his head coach. Last year, he had Marcus Mariota throwing him the ball, giving him a catchable ball on only 59% of his targets when the league average is 79%. Want to credit Fantasy Life's Dwayne McFarlane on that one. He still finished top six in yards per route run last year, believe it or not. Yep. And all of this in in a bad passing environment, he was still pretty efficient. And because he only scored one touchdown in his rookie year, people want to think that he had a bad season. And they want to overlook the historic part of it. Oh, but he wasn't good for fantasy, though. Yeah, like the 21-year-old wasn't good for fantasy for you as right. a tight end. Like, what were your expectations, you know? Like, how do we figure out if a player is going to be good for fantasy? By figuring out whether he's a good football player first and i think we can determine that kyle pitts is a pretty good football player in his first two seasons by the way he missed a bunch of games last year right obviously in his first two seasons he put up the seventh most receiving yards in the first two years of a tight end career since 2000 and i'm going to name the tight ends who had similar numbers uh mark andrews was right above him at six um but he played four more games Less right. yards per game than Kyle Pitts in his first two seasons. Right under Pitts, Antonio Gates, and Jason Witten. 
And now he's going into his third year. He's 22 years old right now. He's turning 23 in October. So, yeah, we should be excited. We should still be excited about his potential because he previewed and he had a historic season before we should have had any expectations of a tight end coming into the NFL. And we have a lot more Kyle Pitts to see, guys. All right? So even yeah. if you're out on him this year, I get it. A lot of unknown. You know, we, we might not have a pass-heavy offense. Who knows? But I don't think we can deny the potential for his career. Things, things can change quick. The Falcons can be a dynamic offense with him, with Bijan, with Drake London, right? And if they underperform, Arthur Smith is out. And these guys can be unleashed under a new coaching staff. So let's be a little patient here with Kyle Pitts. Maybe you don't take him this year, I understand. But this year, he still has the upside of finishing as a top two or top three tight end because all the underlying metrics are there. The target share, the air yard share of an elite tight end. Yeah. It just, it just ha- Let's see if he gets the volume. Let's see if this can be a somewhat balanced attack. Let's see if Desmond Ritter can be something. But regardless of all that, Kyle Pitts is somebody that we should still be excited for. And he did actually show us why he belongs in this conversation of being this being the NFL's next elite tight end. Yeah. Legendary soapbox on Kyle Pitts right there. Keep <laughs> that up and make it like a two and a half, three minute reel. That's going to be great. But I, I'm totally with you. You know, I completely understand where you're coming from. If you remember, you know, I'm going to talk about this. Kyle Pitts, he's only 22 which is hilarious, you know, so he's been in the league two years. He came in the league when he was 20, right? So our, the first year that Darren Waller, remember Darren Waller, the first year where he actually had a good tight end season came in 2019. He was 27 years old. Kyle Pitts is way ahead of that curve. So it's not just like these tight ends have to pan out in the first two years. That's not how it works with tight ends in today's NFL. That's just not how it goes. So Kyle Pitts has plenty of time. And then you also mentioned, you know, the offense can be more dynamic. And you mentioned they had the most receiving yards by a rookie tight end since Mike Ditka, 1961, whatever it was, in his rookie year. That was with him as like the focal point of the passing attack. Like he didn't really have anybody helping him at that point to draw attention away from him because he didn't have Drake London in his rookie year. His second year yep. he did. You know, obviously so that's that's one thing. But before that, there was nobody who who was competing with him for targets. There wasn't no one. Any it was help. it was Calvin. Well, Calvin Ridley was there, but even Calvin Ridley. In those first few games, he couldn't get it done either. He was getting Calvin really got hurt. Yeah, he, yep, he, he was getting hurt. But even in those games where Calvin really was playing, Calvin really underperformed based on the targets that he had. So the the, the overall offensive environment was not good uh, yeah. in terms of the passing game. And just that year. look at the quarterbacks he's played with too. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, he had Matt Ryan when he was washed. He had Marcus Mariota last year, and this year he's going to be dealing with. I have hope for Desmond Ritter, but there's a chance that he just doesn't pan out that's just how it goes and then if he doesn't pan out who's he going to taylor heineke oh boy you know Mm -hmm. really thrilling prospects at the quarterback position i mean i would be interested to see what kyle pitts could do on an offense with just even just a standard rate like a Derek carr of all quarterbacks you know what i mean right 100 we definitely have to give him the mulligan right here and we'll keep giving him mulligans until he actually shows us that there's reason to be worried about it, but the underlying metrics, they all tell you, you know, what is there not to like? Obviously the only thing that you don't like is production and that that's okay. He's a third year player. He didn't even have his third year yet. And he was injured for most of last year. So let's give him a chance. I- I'm with you. 
100%, man. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Who's your next guy? I got a quarterback. And, you know, talk about bad seasons in terms of production, you know, like Kyle Pitts had. I mean, this guy also had a horrific year last year. And his name's Russell Wilson. QB 18 right now, an underdog at the 11-12 turn. I get it. It was abysmal last year. And the year before in Seattle, you know, we all thought that the change of scenery would do it for Russell Wilson. It didn't last season. It just all came crashing down. It wasn't just Russell Wilson, contrary to what people want you to believe. It was the whole team. It just didn't pan out. Nathaniel Hackett, that experiment went to shit quick. The main difference maker that gives me hope for Wilson this year is the arrival of Sean Payton. I think you're in agreement with me on that statement. If there's anyone that can turn things around for Wilson, it's Payton. And it's not like there's a whole lot of work to do from a roster building perspective to get Wilson back to his winning ways either. It's not like Sean Payton's coming in to do a full rebuild of the Denver Broncos. No, he's inheriting a decent roster. I mean, he has good pass catchers already. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick will be back. He was pretty good. You know, he's a solid receiver. And then you also have Greg Dulcich. Like you said, he's one of your sleepers at tight end. And then two very capable running backs and Javante Williams, Samaje Piran, like, there's no shortage of weapons here. So there's not any rebuilding to do on that front. So that tells me that Russell Wilson can turn on a dime compared to last season. I think that's definitely possible. They also retooled their offensive line through free agency to give Russell Wilson, who was last year's most sacked quarterback in the NFL, more time to throw. It's only going to help him. And Wilson's only two years removed from a QB5 season overall. He threw for 40 touchdowns that year. We got a taste of that level of play last year once Nathaniel Hackett was canned. If you remember, Nathaniel Hackett was like the problem for the entire season. The offensive play calling was terrible. The offense as a whole, it was one of the lowest. I think it was the lowest scoring offense in the league. As soon as Nathaniel Hackett was out, Wilson rattled off back-to-back top five finishes, week 17 and 18. And he capitalized. It wasn't just like throwing touchdowns that he was doing. He was running for touchdowns too. Six total touchdowns in two weeks, four passing, two rushing. Wilson still has chops in the run game, even though he just ran for 276 yards on the season last year. And I think Peyton can bring out the best of his dual threat skill set in 2023. And, you know, just a little side note here. I mean, who did Sean Peyton work with most of his career? Drew Brees, uh, uh, an undersized quarterback, but he was able to get it done big time. So where's Russell Wilson? He's also an undersized quarterback. So he has experience working with this type of quarterback. Better days are ahead for Wilson. Absolutely. I think a top eight finish is in the cards if the Sean Payton hire is all that we're cracking it up to be because the weapons, they're there. The offensive line got better. I think Russell Wilson, he even gave us, like I said, a taste of, he showed us he's not completely washed last season with two top five finishes. So I think Russell Wilson, QB 18, he easily finished as like a mid QB one. 
and you could get him at a really cheap price. I like the call. I like the call. I mean, just like how Geno Smith might be a flash in the pan in a good way, last year might have been a flash in the pan for Russell Wilson in a bad way. Right? Right. Few other guys, few wide receivers who have some upside. Kadarius Tony, he's literally the definition of boom bust. Um, you know, not necessarily a wide receiver that you want to bet on in terms of him being this amazing actual wide receiver, but like him being more of a product of the Chiefs offense, I think that's really where what it comes down to. Right. Um Jahan Dotson, wide receiver. By the way, Tony's going off the board as a wide receiver 38. Right next to him is Jahan Dotson as a wide receiver 39. Jahan Dotson, definitely somebody who I think is more talented than where he's being taken right now. The only question is, are they going to be able to support multiple wide receivers there? I don't think there's a world where Dotson finishes, you know, or is a is going to take over that wide receiver one role from Terry McLaurin. McLaurin has always been suffering from bad quarterback play. And once he gets a good quarterback, McLaurin has wide receiver one upside easily. Right. Um, but Dotson is somebody that you could take a shot on. For you know to finish as a high wide receiver three potentially, DeAndre Swift, we talked about him a lot going off the board yep. as an RB twenty three. You know, I think DeAndre Swift. You know, if Rashad Penny doesn't work out, I think DeAndre Swift. Um, you know, can easily finish above the RB twenty three range. I mentioned that he was on pace for eighty catches two two years ago. He was targeted at an even higher rate last year, and if he continues, if the Eagles actually use him in the receiving game. At a high level, I think he could right. be a low end wire, uh, low end running back one, especially on a good offense. Now, yep. things have to really fall the right way, but there are multiple ways that DeAndre Swift can do that because he's always been an efficient player. But he's been banged up. Lions wanted to get rid of him, but on the Eagles' offense, I think he has another shot at doing his thing. Rashad Penny's yep. going off the board as an RB thirty-eight. You mentioned him yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think he was, you know, more suitable for this episode. You know, he's like a high upside, low floor guy to me. But if he gets to work, he has a ton of upside on the Eagles offense. Scott Barrett just tweeted today, among all running backs who had 15 or more carries in games since 2018, Rashad Penny is averaging 156 rushing yards per game. That's the highest of any running back. Derrick Henry's second with 117. Obviously, much bigger sample size for Derrick Henry, but it's worth noting. All right. If Rashad Penny is healthy, he's going to get touches in Philly. And he has the upside to be like a more explosive, you know, Jamal Williams, right, to DeAndre yeah. Swift, right? In there was, there was never a question about Rashad Penny's talent. It's just the fact that he's always banged up. So you mentioned that small sample size. It's like, okay, yeah, that's just how it's been. You know, what's he supposed to do about the injuries? We know the talent is there because every time he plays, it seems like he's, yeah. Yeah, I've seen him go flying for a 70-yard touchdown plenty of times. When he gets to work, he performs, right? It's really that simple. Um, right. Quentin Johnston, uh, you know, wide receiver 42 off the board. I'm not the biggest Quentin Johnston guy, but hey, wide receiver 42 off the board. Can he outperform that if he can beat out Mike Williams and target share on an offense that might throw the ball a ton? Yes, I can see that happening. I think they're going to use him. I think they're going to scheme him up a little bit. Uh, and we'll see. You know, we'll see what kind of creativity um, you, your boy uh, can come can bring coming over from the Cowboys. Um, I think he can Pearl finish. I think he can finish as a high wide receiver three potentially. So there is some upside there c- compared to where he's going right now. I think Deshaun Watson, um, you know, as a QB nine coming off the board, he has top five potential. Um, Easy you know, 
a lot of upside there. Obviously, he has the weapons of Mario Cooper, Elijah Moore, David Njoku. Also, obviously, they have a DPJ as well. Anthony Richardson going off the board as a QB 11. I think he's the best upside pick uh, of any quarterback if you don't grab a quarterback early, right? Rushing attempts, goal line attempts, underrated weapons. Um, Shane Steichen, who helped Jalen Hurts develop, right? I don't really need right. to say a whole lot more. Rashad Bateman, I do want to talk about him. Now, Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman are going off the board back-to-back, right? We talked about Zay Flowers on the last episode saying that, you know, he's probably the safest Ravens wide receiver to grab right now. And these guys are going back-to-back on underdog wide receiver 45 and wide receiver 46. And, you know, I love Zay as a prospect. But – and this is definitely a seemingly crowded Ravens wide receiver room, but I'm not staying away, right? I'm going to take my shots at both him – and Bateman. I'm not taking any shots in OBJ personally. But I think I made up my mind. And it might change tomorrow. Okay, but right now, I think I'd rather bet on Rashad Bateman. I think really? Bateman, first of all, is one of the best dynasty buys that you can make at the wide receiver position right now. There's just not a whole lot of belief in him. But I do think he has alpha wide receiver one upside. Lamar already, you know, called him his wide receiver one a month ago. And it makes sense. Like he didn't have the raw target numbers last year before he got hurt uh, because he was in a low passing volume offense. He also wasn't running for whatever reason. He wasn't running around on every drop back. However, that's going to change with Todd Munkin coming in. And on a per route basis last year, Bateman was targeted on 23% of those routes, 2.38 yards per route run. That would have been right behind Stefan Diggs and CeeDee Lamb. He had a very good pro- he was a very good prospect coming into the league. And if you check out Matt Harmon's reception perception profile that he did on him from his 2021 season as a rookie, the dude has superstar wide receiver potential written all over him. Man, press zone, which is not something typical of a lot of successful X receivers. Like only the top guys are that successful against both man and zone. Typically with these X receivers, they're, they do really, really well against press and man. But the fact that he's also as good as he is against press and man as he is against as he is against zone, I think he offers a lot more upside than people think, especially in an offense that's going to pass the ball more and pass the ball more downfield. Um, and I know that most people have zero interest in Rashad Bateman. I totally get it, right? right. He's coming off the list, Frank injury. That's a concern. Uh, the cortisone shots that he got – because those screws were removed, that doesn't seem like a, too much of a concern according to a lot of the medical experts that I've talked to and I've also read a little bit about that as well. And according to them, he should be 100% himself by October. But he's going to be ready to go by training camp. Okay. Uh, Travis Etienne, he was fine last year after Liz Frank surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, Bateman can be fine too. Because if he is... To me, he's profiling as the number one wide receiver if he's the same guy he was in his rookie year. And on a pass-first offense, going off the board as the wide receiver 46, he could finish as a wide receiver too this year. Could, but I, I'm i still not sure. I, I might be one of those less frank guys. It's be like, you know, I'm not sure he's going to do it this season. I think he has the potential to do it next season. But I think if I'm taking a receiver this year, I'm still going with Zay Flowers because he's going to be healthy come week one. And like I said, I trust Zay Flowers. If he's going to have that opportunity, Saber Shaw Bateman needs to get up to speed. I don't think Odell's a wide receiver one. 
he'll have his games. But I think that Zay Flowers can make an impression early on Lamar Jackson. And I think that him doing that will establish him as a wide receiver one for this season, even if it's not by much. You know, like I think Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers could run 1A, 1B, you know, next season. Like both of them have that type of capability. Um, If I have to pick for this season, though, just because of that injury, like like I said, I I think I'm going to go with Zay Flowers this season because they're going right next to each other in drafts, too. So yeah. I don't think there's a wrong answer. I mean, I think once we get to November, both of these guys are going to be producing at a similar level, if you ask me. But I think for the overall season, who's going to score more points? Zay Flowers is my pick. I think if Rashad Bateman does, in fact, become his old self by November or October, whatever it is, I think he's a clear alpha there. But I think that's the question in terms of, like, yep. will he be? will he get back to that level that he was at this year? But I'm still taking my shot on the higher upside. I think the higher upside guy is Bateman between these two guys. Yeah, it's the um, same price. So I hear you. Yeah, yeah, same price, same price. So it's really like what you're looking for: safety yep. or more, a little bit more upside. I think Zay Flowers Ma- is upside too. I don't think it's you, you think Zay Flowers has has high end wide receiver two upside. That because that's what I think Rashad Bateman has. Okay, if you compare them one to one, you know. I'm I'm not saying that about Zay Flowers, but I think that there's upside right. in terms of the overall fantasy landscape with Zay Flowers. I don't think he's I think like a Flowers safe pick. Flowers still has like a little that. bit of upside, and I think he's going to beat his ADP. Um, yeah, I think Flowers has like wide receiver three upside. I would say this year. In his All right. year, that's kind of how I'm I think, looking at it. I think low wide receiver two would be my. Oh pick. yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Just low okay. wide receiver two. If things really, pe- if Lamar Jackson, you know, this passing offense really is pass first. Yeah, I think like wide receiver like twenty three and a half, like wide receiver like twenty two. Yeah, okay. it's definitely not the high end wide receiver two, but I think low end he could sneak in. My, Michael Thomas is going around that range too. Wide receiver forty seven. You know, it, you know he 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 was doing his thing before he got hurt last year, but he might get hurt this year. Um, that's the issue with Michael Thomas, right? That's why he's going so late. Chris Olave right. is the alpha there. Michael Thomas has no chance of, you know, becoming a target earner ahead of Chris Olave. That's not going to happen. That's that, that story is that book is closed at yep. this point. Jamison Williams going off the board as a wide receiver 49. The only thing with him is that he's suspended for the first six weeks. So you're going to have to stick with him on your bench for a while. It could pay off, but I'm not sure if I want to do that myself personally, just have that guy sit on my bench, but he is somebody who could come back and absolutely destroy it when he comes back. Um, right. Antonio Gibson as the RB 32, off the board, you know, he can easily finish as a mid RB2 this year in PPR leagues if they truly do use him like they like they say they will. We have no idea. We've heard this be- before. However, there we have a lot of reasons to think that he fits Eric Bieniemy's offense way more than Brian Robinson does and the offseason rumblings are matching those sentiments. Yep. Sky Moore going off the board as a wide receiver 54, um he can easily finish Ahead of that, he could finish as a wide receiver three um, in this offense. Uh, there's been a lot of rumblings around him improving a ton, even in his rookie year in his small sample size of, of being on the field. He does look like a real receiver, and it looks like he can compete, get open in zone, get open against man even, um, and be able to do his thing. So I'm, I'm rooting for Sky Moore. He's a target of mine personally. Um, I want to talk about Devon A-Chain, man. RB39 off the board. As of right now, the best running back on the Dolphins is Devon Chain, And he's not going to be a goal lineback. 
But there is a lot of upside here in Mike McDaniel's outside zone scheme. I think Raheem Mostert, you know, back in the day on the 49ers, when he would pop those long runs again and again and again, every time he was on the field, every time he wasn't hurt, I think A-Chain can do that and more. It also seems like they're using him as a receiver as well. He got the third-round draft capital, which is great. Um, he's not the biggest back, but he did bulk up a bit, by the way. By the time he got to uh, OTAs, he got up to 192. So that's a lot bigger than he was, you know, NFL combine time. So that's good. Um, maybe he'll use right. these weeks even before training camp here to bulk up a little bit more. Um, he's on a good offense with other playmakers that you have to account for. And because of that, I think he has a higher chance to be even more efficient than he probably would have already been, right? 31-year-old Raheem Mostert, that he's not holding him back. Neither is Jeff Wilson. But I do think that Jeff Wilson will be the goal line back. Obviously, we're assuming Dalvin Cook doesn't sign here, right? Because the touches simply won't be there for A-Chain if Cook does sign there. Um, yeah. But assuming he doesn't, A-Chain can easily see 15 touches per game on this offense. Um, some of that coming in the receiving game. And that's really all this guy needs to be an every week RB2. He's being drafted as an RB39. That's just too low, right? The landing spot was just perfect for him and his skill set. The upside is there, right, especially at that price. And, you know, all the hype around him in OTA, OTAs helps too. It, it seems like he's going to be very involved in this offense from the get. Yeah. I mean, I'm not as big of an HN guy. I, I think that this is a crowded backfield. I don't know if 15 touches a game is in the cards unless – one of the other two guys goes down with an injury or something, or they just, you know, phase them out. But I think as things stand right now, I don't trust the workload to be there where he's going to be like, you know, this guy that's a screaming value at, at, at his price. I, I, I don't see that personally, but I do agree. Like if anybody was going to separate in this backfield, it would be Devon A. Chain. I mean, Raheem Moster, he's not going to be any type of lead back. I think he's going to be mixing in, obviously, but he's going to be a complimentary role. He's not going to have a shot at leading the backfield. Jeff Wilson's going to be there. He has the best shot, in my opinion, of just leading the backfield in terms of just overall work. Um, Devon Agent, he might get the work in the receiving game. But I don't know if he's going to have enough work in the run game to make him you know, a consistent asset on a week-to-week -week basis. Not to rain on your parade. I think he has the skills to do it. You know, His talent is obviously there. You mentioned the speed, and it matches Mike McDaniel's system, yes. But I think it's just a little too crowded for me to just call him, like, yeah, this guy has that upside i think the upside is more of a high-end rb3 if you ask me and that that's assuming most things go well yeah i mean the guys who are finished around the rb3 range are usually guys who are getting like 12 touches a game that sort of thing maybe guys who are touchdown dependent and he might not have a lot of touchdowns this year but i do think that he has that speed athleticism to just like be like hey like why is this guy not on the field you know, oh, yeah. we're putting Raheem Mostert on the mm -hmm. field. Or we're putting Jeff Wilson on the field, especially between the 20s. Um, I think he's going to be the guy on the field for the, for the for the majority of the time. And might not need a lot of touches to be able to, you know, severely, you know, outperform this ADP. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm moving him up in my rankings, honestly, right. um, from where he's at right now. Uh, we're we're going to revisit that. But for now, guys, that, that'll do it for this episode. Next week, we're going to go over late round guys that we're targeting okay who are we taking with those you know 13 14 15 16 round picks right the guys that were just you know shooting for upside really but these last you know few guys you never know if you hit on one man you're sitting pretty right you got a little bit of an advantage 
you know, compared to your league mates who, you know, didn't hit on any of the late round guys who aren't really paying attention to what's happening. Right. So we're going to talk about those guys uh, in our first episode of next week. Again, we're always two, two episodes a week, all the way up until the season where we'll, where where we'll be going uh, five days a week at that point. All right, guys. So we appreciate you. Uh, make sure you use code UPPERHAND on Underdog Fantasy to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. If you want the rankings, the draft kit coming up soon, um, the rankings are already out, by the way. Dynasty, Redraft, Positional, Flex, all of it. Super Flex as well. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Fantasy. All those links will be in the description of this podcast. We appreciate you guys, and we'll be back next week. See you guys later. Bye-bye.